0: Hello, and welcome to Sacred Adventure Begin, an inquisitive space where we explore topics like gaining wisdom, travel, yoga, meditation, dance, art, and following our soul guided paths. I'm your host, Emily from gettingintoit.com, and together we'll focus on enjoying, sharing, and interpreting our sacred adventures and how to embody these lessons in our daily lives. Let's begin. Hello everyone and welcome back. I am so, so excited because today we have a very special guest, a personal friend and a businesswoman who I very, very much admire and who has given me such beautiful, beautiful messages from Spirit um, and and created for me a really beautiful piece of jewelry. So today I'm going to be talking to Sarah from sarahbellstyle.com. About the bracelet she made for me and about her spiritual journey. Just as a heads up to everyone listening, this is a longer episode and there are a couple points throughout where the internet connection cuts out and some of the dialogue did not record. So thank you for hanging in there with us and we hope you enjoy. Before we get into today's interview, I'd like to talk a little bit about working with Stones and Crystals. I feel like working with stones and crystals is one of those spiritual, or you might say new age or metaphysical paths that gets a lot of people either really excited or really upset. And I want to address that a little bit here. And I I want to empower listeners to believe, think, feel, experience things from a beautiful, open standpoint. And also I want to give you the encouragement to feel empowered while you do that. There's a difference between um, attributing something that's happening or how you're feeling to something else uh, and giving that thing your power and taking your power for yourself. So personally, I've been collecting stones since I was a kid. There was this shop in the mall that my brother and I used to go into and we'd go like nuts that all the stones were in the back of the store picking rocks And uh, spending our allowance on them. (laughs) And then there was also a creek near where we lived. Uh, This might date me. I was definitely a kid before the digital age. So I have experiences running around, picking up bugs and worms out of creek beds and also picking up stones. There were like geodes out there and we'd take them home, hit them with a hammer, crack them open, see what was inside. When I came to my spiritual and healing practice as an adult, I will admit that I was really skeptical about learning, um, about working with the energies attributed to crystals and stones, which is sort of ridiculous because um, I worked for years as a metalsmith, as a bench jeweler, in fact, and am intimately acquainted with stones in terms of like their Mohs hardness and their relative value in the money market, as well as how to set them in jewelry and what types of jewelry they're appropriate for, et cetera, et cetera. So (laughs) it's so contradictory. But (laughs) on the invitation, or you might say the suggestion of a Reiki healer I was working with, I started meditating with Rose Quartz. I still use that quartz today. In fact, it's sitting right next to me as I record this podcast to help remind me to speak from a place of love and compassion. Personally, I like to hold stones when I'm accessing emotional states. I feel like they help me dive deeper into the work that I'm doing, which I suppose is to say that I use stones to alter and enhance my emotional states. Or if you prefer, prefer, a, more <laughs> prefer <laughs> a more new agey statement, I use them to alter and enhance the energy body within and around me. So I find having crystals... Stones, that type of thing around to be effective in this, though I do realize I could also do this type of work without them, um, that I have the power, but it's nice to have them in physical reality. For those of you who are hearing this and you're still feeling a lot of resistance to what I'm saying, it's very similar to how you might elect to wear a wedding ring to remind you of the love you share with your spouse. And to be a reminder of your commitment to your spouse. That ring could theoretically influence you, influence your behavior, influence your feelings. For example, um, you might be in the middle of like a horrible argument and you look down, you look at your ring, it reminds you of the love that you share. And then you enter into more of a healing dialogue with your partner because of that reminder. Subsequently, You might find it interesting that um, as I was recording this, I decided I was like, all right, I'll look up um, the metaphysical spiritual properties attributed to diamonds, which um, we typically wear in our wedding rings. And uh, just a simple internet search uh, was interesting because it was talking about how the hardness of diamonds um, as one of the hardest stones, well, as as the hardest stone. Uh, symbolizes unbreakability, like unbreakable bonds, and I'm just going to read this directly. The diamond, in its rarity and beauty, is a symbol of purity and innocence, of love and fidelity, and embraces strength of character, ethics, and faithfulness to oneself and others. It is indicative of the loving and open nature with which one came into the physical realm and encourages the aspect of truth and trust. It is a love-bearing crystal regarded in antiquity as dependable in its virtues when received as a gift. How lovely is that? I think that's really fun to kind of like think about. Like there's a reason why we would put them or want them in an engagement ring um, or in a wedding ring. I also think uh, a lot about using stones in the same way that we might encourage a child to have like a binky or a safety blanket that helps soothe them and lull them to sleep. Like certainly... Those emotional states can be accessed without the the binky or the safety blanket, but it it comes so much easier when you have that physical reminder. Uh, So I have a good friend who I've taken classes with at Dr. Martin's and whose contributions to the discussions that we had in those classes and whose wisdom are something I've respected for a long time. Plus, she's so fabulous. (laughs) Every time I'm around her, I feel this sense of joy and self-love just, like, emanating from her. She's got an amazing business where she makes ethical and wonderful jewelry and mala. Um, And she uses supportive stones in them, and she does a lot of education on her website for folks about different stones and how they can support us in our health and healing journey. She has other offerings, too, like past life regression, some really cool things that she does so at the beginning of the year I was dealing with a move and trying to launch my newest guided trip to India which is now postponed since the trip I was supposed to be taking right now got canceled and I can't go to Tamil Nadu to scope epic hotels well to set up new relationships and plans for the group but also epic beach hotels Enough said. At any rate, I commissioned Sarah to make a custom bracelet for me to support my life and everything I'm getting into these days, and I got so much more than I was expecting from this experience. I mean, she really blew me away. Not only is the bracelet she made for me gorgeous, 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 and there's a link to getting your own custom bracelet in the show notes, but she did uh, Reiki with the bracelet and also a reading and messages for me, as well as she wrote a mantra to help me use to shift and embody the states that the bracelet and the stones in the bracelet were supporting me in. The bracelet also came with a care sheet. And a beautiful little case to keep it in that says stand firmly in your light, which is a beautiful, beautiful message. And also an information sheet on each of the stones that's in my bracelet and, and then like what they were supporting me in. So wow, just wow. Um, if you can't wait till the end of the episode to find out where you can find Sarah, you can find her at sarahbellstyle.com. And again, that link will be in the show notes. I'm going to read for you a little bit of the message that she typed for me so you can hear just how beautiful and profound it was um, before we get started. So she wrote, messages received, you have such a bright and colorful soul, endlessly and freely exploring self-expression, not afraid to pair funky things and mix it up. This is your gift and your medicine, both to receive and to give. Structure and focus are what came forward the biggest. Consider your routine or lack thereof. Consider making a monthly plan of milestones and things to accomplish for a successful trip, which was really what I was working on at the time, so it's really cool that she tuned into that. She also wrote, Your energy is always moving. You give a lot, but you naturally have a lot to give. You also love things that are visually stimulating, so there were a lot of crystals coming forward to you like a lot. It was a dance of energies between your soul, mine, and spirit to arrive at the final result. All chakras are supported. Essential oils are highly supportive in working with energy. Consider diffusing them with the lava stone beads. There are some really high cosmic energies present. Consider calling on them when looking for direction as you plan the trip, or if you're ever in doubt. You're never alone. Mantra. I relax into faith, expand with love, and trust that I am being divinely guided. Isn't that gorgeous? Don't you just love it? I love wearing my bracelet, by the way. I stack it with other stones. I diffuse essential oils on it. And every time I put it on, I just feel so in my power and ready and able to do the work that I set out to do. So I'm going to let Sarah come on here. This is a recording of our call together um, and talk a little bit about her spiritual journey and the path that she's on. So here we go. Awesome. Hello, Sarah, and welcome to Sacred Adventure Begin. We're so excited to have you here.
1: Thanks. I'm super excited to be here.
0: (laughs) So can you start by telling us a little bit about you and your website and your offerings or more or less like what you do?
1: Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> I never I know, know where to start <laughs> yeah, with those questions. I There's a lot that I do. And um, I would say kind of the, the tie that binds everything that I do is really energy medicine and energy healing. And um, a little bit about me, I would say I'm a spiritual seeker. I always have been. And Um, I just love this field of mind body medicine and um, quantum physics. And I guess you might say I'm a little bit of a nerd and I'm always, you know, pursuing certifications and education. I think first with the desire to know it myself Mm -hmm. and then really following, I think a deeper calling to share that out with others. I find that so many people don't know about just the energetics of their body, the subtle body and their energy, uh, anatomy, and really kind of, em- I'm, I love empowering others with that information so that they can really kind of start to expand their perspectives. And, and I think have a greater sense of even self-regulation, you know, around their thoughts and their emotions by having this deeper understanding of how energy is always at play. And so how that all, I guess, translates into my work. so. I think my work has been ever evolving, but kind of at the core of my offering is jewelry. So I'm a creative like you and um, (laughs) yeah. And it's, what's really funny is that gemstones have been part of my life and my journey for a really long time, like over 20 years, Uh but only in the last three or four years have I really awakened to the metaphysical aspects and the more of, I think the energetics around crystals, but I've been working with them for a long time and, as my jewelry, um, you know, my, just have, as that whole spectrum has evolved, I've really started working much more intentionally with crystal energy in my jewelry. And I also, as I've kind of gone down the rabbit hole of energy medicine, have started to develop my intuitive abilities, which I think is really a natural progression, especially when working with crystals. Um, and so I do, I have a whole line of, um, services as well. So I do aura readings, past life readings, Akashic records readings. um, And then I also do distance crystal healing as well. Um, And then I also have crystals on my website too. So I love it. Yeah. The whole offering is centered around really energy work and energy healing.
0: That's amazing. So I'm kind of curious how I, I know that you have your yoga teacher training, right? Mm-hmm. And
1: mm-hmm. you taught yoga or do you still teach yoga? I do. Yeah. Just one class a week. Well, not during quarantine, but yes.
0: <laughs> sort of freestyle it, but um, yeah. So in terms of the stones, I'm kind of curious how, or if you see any connections to your yogic practice with that.
1: Absolutely. So um what I really love when it comes to um choosing crystals is I always recommend choosing crystals intuitively, meaning kind of scanning over them and seeing sort of what ones seem to choose you.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: anytime someone chooses that way, versus reading about a crystal and saying, oh, I need this crystal and going and acquiring it based on sort of their cognitive rational mind. If they Uh choose beautifully and select the crystal and then go and read about it after that, oftentimes they will discover a much more expanded, you know, set of insights that maybe they haven't considered. And it can kind of point them to where they're needing to do work you know, on an energetic level. And so I feel like that's one way of kind of where yoga meets crystals because yoga is all about the path of Uh self-discovery Right. when we select, Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so when we select our crystals intuitively, it always has ways of showing us aspects of ourselves that we've never like considered or realized before. So it's always a, always a beautiful thing. I think, um, yeah, yeah, that
0: I totally get that. I I've always selected that way. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'll go into a shop and I'll I'll look with my eyes, but I'll also feel like what feels right. And sometimes mm-hmm. it can be kind of crazy. Like one time I went into a shop and I picked out three different types of fluorite, <laughs> yeah. and like they all looked like different stones to me. And I don't know why they were calling me so much. And then the lady at the counter was like, "Wow, you're really into fluorite." And I was like, "Guess I am today." And then, <laughs> I went home and I read up on it, and it it was exactly what I needed, and it was enough to like set up a grid and to do some work that way mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, like I also um remember being in India, and I know this is kind of a lead in that we talked about a little bit before because you and I connect a lot um through Dr. Martin's, but also in terms of like how how we integrate our practices. Like Mm -hmm. in India, when you, in Rishikesh, especially like there's all these sort of like vendors that have different mala beads and all the stones and sometimes they're not stones and sometimes they are, sometimes they're crystals, sometimes they're seeds, but Mm -hmm. each seed on the mala has a different, um, God or goddess that it evokes or a different like mantra that you use with it. So some of what you talk about when you talk about the bracelets and the mantra, um, you use things the same way. And I was wondering if you could kind of tell people a little bit about what mala beads are.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love mala beads so much. Um, they're essentially prayer beads. Um, and it's, they're tools for really meditation and moving into stillness and even, yeah, connecting with the goddesses and connecting with, Sort of the divinity within, yes, and being able to just deepen your spiritual practice, and especially when you associate an intention with your mala um, and working with it, you know, every day, it's such a powerful vibrational field that you're creating when you just make time for it, and it's literally like less than five minutes a day, you know, mm-hmm. for the chant a hundred and eight beads, and you're just really raising your vibration in this period of time and creating a very potent field for that intention to just sit, you know, and especially when your mala contains crystal energy too, it just all works together so beautifully to create this really potent field for, for manifesting your intentions and your heart's desires. So I love working with malas. I, I think too. it's a, it's a beautiful example of how like, you know, spiritual practice and crystal energy and all of this kind of culminate together. And so that it's definitely. I am sure that
0: you noticed that there is a bit of a break here. My internet cut out during the interview and I so, so, so apologize for missing
1: virtual and it was about a year or so ago so I wrote it all up into an ebook so it it explains you know all about what they are how to work with them how to hold a mala you know the significance of the beads like everything that you want to know. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and then I walk people through how to make one. And then I also sell them all the making kits too. So it's, it's actually been kind of a popular thing during this quarantine time, you know, with people, yeah. have time on their hands and, and then a lot of stress to like diffuse, right. It's a wonderful yep. uh, outlet, especially for times like this.
0: So if somebody was looking to use Mala to self-soothe or to release some of their um, agitation or anxiety around what like type of bead would you recommend and what type of mantra would you recommend?
1: So as far as beads, um, Gosh, I think, I think whatever feels soothing to you really, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I think that a lot of, a lot of the beads that are very calming are things like Amazonite, which is like a nice, you know, aqua blue. It has a lot of neutral mineral tones to it. Um, how is wonderfully calming. It's a white stone that looks kind of like marble, Uh Um, peach aventurine. I really love it. It has a a nice calming vibration, but it really helps to soothe an overactive mind, especially. And um, let's see, there's, there's really so many. Um, I think Labradorite is wonderful because it's, you know, it's got a nice protective quality. It kind of helps to clear and cleanse the aura. And Uh so it really helps to kind of just dissipate you know, stuck energy and that sort of thing. So there's a lot of, di- I mean, Rose Quartz, you know, has a wonderful, gentle, loving um, vib- yeah, yeah, vibration. It's so soothing and nurturing, which is just, yeah, really wonderful. But I also think, you know, that it can just be as simple as seeing like what feels good. Like when you look at it, you know, you're, you're yep. you you kind of know when you see it, if it feels tranquil to you. And I think that that alone is enough to go on.
0: And then do you, what mantra do you typically recommend people or would you recommend people in this sort of situation to go with if it's maybe their first time repeating a sound over and over?
1: Yeah. So I think one of my favorite mantras to start with Mala practice is Om Mani Padme Hum. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I feel like it is just, you know, it's said that all of the teachings of the Buddha are contained in this one mantra, and it is a mantra for compassion, you know, and I think that's really, I think compassion is such, when we're there, we're in such a place, a state of grace, you know, for ourselves Mm -hmm. and for others, and it just really, I mean, I kind of just got chills talking about it. Yeah, (laughs) me too, I love it. Yeah, I feel like it is just such a wonderful starting place. So that is that is what I would recommend. That's a
0: great starting place. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's so cool. So how did, I guess, how did you get from maybe being a spiritual seeker to realizing that um, jewelry was the way that you wanted to, to manifest your healing or to do your offerings? And then I, I guess kind of related to this question, I the main
1: question is, how would you get there? Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's such a, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love could, it. You just trusted <laughs> and you flowed with it and here you are now. <laughs> yeah, very much. I mean, I think that, um, I think that, you know, creativity and spirituality are so closely connected, you know, whenever uh-huh. we create, we really tap into source energy and, and I think that jewelry, I, you know, I don't know. I think every jewelry maker was like an avid string bracelet maker as a kid. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like the people, like the girls that pulled all-nighters, you know, and made all the string bracelets and then gave them out to everybody at school. Like I yeah. was one of them. I'm um, me too. <laughs> and I, I remember getting a bead loom when I was a kid and just, you know, I think a lot of kids are exposed to crafts and hobbies like that as, as kids. And then, it, you know, early in my career. I was working as a designer and I had a friend that, um, was making these really cool pendant lamps and she started selling them at this cute little art shop called Artbeat. And I was making jewelry at the time, but just kind of dabbling in it. And she encouraged me to like sell it at Artbeat. And so I met with the owner, she made the introduction and I started selling my jewelry there. And it just, so it kind of just started at a very, I feel like pretty young age of, um, you know, making my jewelry and starting to, you know, share it out with the world. And that kind of had its own, you know, twists and turns along the way. There definitely was a point where I got a little burned out and kind of pulled back. Um, And then also early, in my early years, I I remember I took yoga in college Uh and like really fell in love with it. And just the whole all of it. I mean, yoga is so expansive. And I think, no a lot of people, yeah, like a lot of people don't realize it. You know, if, if people that are just going into a yoga studio to take a class here and there, depending on the t- teacher, they may or may not be really exposed to, you know, a, a more traditional, um, you know, approach. But I really, I'm kind of a traditionalist when it comes to yoga. Like I love the sutras. I love the yamas and the niyamas. I love, you know, pranayama and diving into breath work. And, um, and I would just say, you know, the more, uh, the more I journey forward, the more expansive my practice becomes, which I think is, you know, very natural for a lot of people. So, you know, yoga very much infuses everything I do, how I Mm -hmm. show up, how I live, how I approach my work, my jewelry, all of it. Um, it just permeates everything.
0: I love it. I also, Um, I don't know, I don't know if I ever told you this, but I actually, my master's is in jewelry design and metalsmithing. No. Yeah. And I like, I don't make jewelry that much necessarily anymore. I'm more on the sculpture side and drawing, but um, I, my initial interest in jewelry was that it's so intimate And Mm -hmm. it's, if you think about it, like most art that you experience, you have to go to the art, right? You have to go to the sculpture Mm -hmm. park or you have to go to the museum to see it. But jewelry is the art that you put on you that you take out into the world with you. I love it. And so it's got this like interactive element to it. I mean, even just the functionality of where you put it on the body, but Mm -hmm. then also like who sees it and who experiences it. And so I think what's cool about what you do is not only are your pieces pretty, but they also have that, like you were talking about the metaphysical sort of function to them. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I, I talked a little bit earlier in the podcast um, before we got on the interview together about how crystals can kind of help you feel differently. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious, like, can you tell me or us a little bit more about like stones and crystals? Maybe what's the difference between a stone and a crystal and and a metal perhaps, and then also how you see them or how you engage with them?
1: Yeah. So that's a lot. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I always have some, every question you ask, I have like so many thoughts like that. just (laughs) Um, let them. Let them flow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So crystals, um, just to, I guess, be clear, crystals um, consist of one mineral and it's formed with a consistent molecular structure and that it's called a crystalline lattice, the, the molecular structure that you know repeats over and over and over again. And the reason that's important is because it allows the crystal to hold a consistent vibration. Oh. And so that's what allows it to really interact with us. And we start to entrain with it when it when we come into contact with crystals. And so entrainment is a principle that's really widely accepted in physics, but it's when two objects are vibrating at different frequencies, they will start to vibrate together following Ooh. the more dominant frequency. And so that's a little bit about, you know, like how crystals work from a standpoint of, you know, helping to bring us into balance and creating more consistency and how we um, vibrate at an energetic level. And then um, a rock is a stone that has more than one mineral in it. So technically, like when people refer to their diamond engagement ring as a rock, it's Mm -hmm. not really a rock. It's a crystal. (laughs) (laughs) One mineral. Um, Just a little word to the wise. Yeah. Uh, so that's, yeah, a difference there. And then a metal, well, you could probably explain that more than I can because that's, I know with metals, there can be alloys that are multiple minerals together into one and metals can be malleable, meaning you can, um, like when you hammer it, you kind of change that molecular structure so that it can be bent or become thinner or flatter.
0: hmm Yeah. Yeah. But so you're also seeing them as having a resonance that could, yeah. Okay.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Gold is way more masculine. Um, silver of course is more feminine energy in terms of, yeah, everything has a vibration, everything, like everything that's comprised of, yeah, atoms are vibrating at some level.
0: It's so cool to hear you talk about it that way. Like, (laughs) Because uh, as a as a metalsmith, gold is actually way more malleable than silver, which is interesting. It's also more conductive. Like, mm-hmm. and I like oh, I kind of got into metalsmithing because it was one of the first media that I worked with that ever pushed back or seemed to have like a mind of its own, like where you're. Sort of <laughs> like dancing with it like you know what you want it to do and it like might or might not do
1: that mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. yeah so it was like a conversation making art that way uh yeah. is i think a lot of people who do go into that type of work have have that sort of feeling about it
1: mm-hmm. um, i did explore metal smithing just for a brief time and i didn't do it for very long I think partially because it was just so dirty, you know, it I had is. a porch and you have to, <laughs> the whole, the scale that gets on everything that you yep. have to clean and the chemicals. It just was such a, uh, yeah. It was oh, like yeah, a, whole a process.
0: It is not direct. It, right. yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: So, but it's really interesting because I had never really thought of, um, metal as having uh, energetic properties the way that I think of like a rock or a stone or a crystal having energetic properties mm-hmm. so um can you maybe for people who who are like what is energy <laughs> mm-hmm. what you know can you tell people a little bit about energy healing and maybe like the benefits that you see in your own work and I think like maybe this might be a cool time to tie that into like the aura of the person. So are you seeing the aura as related to the energy and Mm -hmm. how do you work with that or how do you experience that?
1: Yeah, that's all. Yeah. Great. Again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, but I love it. Like I get so excited talking about this stuff. Um, so yeah, so we all have, what's called really a subtle body. And it's kind of the the layers of our body that are invisible, which is why so many of us just don't even realize it's there. Mm-hmm. But we, we hold a energetic vibration. Like I was saying, I mean, we're made up of atoms and water. And so we are, we are always vibrating. And then, um, if folks listening are, are into yoga, they're probably, they've probably heard of the chakra system, which is, you know, the wheels of spinning light or energy that's centered down the midline of our bodies. And there's seven that are most, I guess, widely recognized or used in energy healing. Um, And they create this field of energy around the body that creates like this egg-like shape of energy. And that's the person's aura. Um, Our heart field is actually the most powerful uh, energetic source in our body. And the HeartMath Institute has done all kinds of research on this, which I just love. love. Yeah. They've measured, yeah, the heart, um, the energetic of the heart up to three feet. And they think that it actually extends out way beyond that. It's just that the measuring device um, has not been able to really capture beyond that. But so when we come into contact with people, even like our energy fields are interactive. And I think people are very aware of this if they if you think about it, you know, like you're always taking in information. And sometimes it comes in nonverbal cues that might be like body cues or facial expressions, but there's also an exchange happening at an energetic level. You know, you're in that person's field and they're in yours. And so you're you're receiving information through these energy centers. And a lot of times that information flows in and because it's, it's all integrated, right? It integrates with the, the mental, the emotional, the physical body. And as we take in that information, we might be responding from a standpoint of emotion. You know, you might come into contact with somebody or having a conversation and you just start to feel like, let's just say a sense of self doubt or something, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the mind starts to kind of wrap stories around it and you find yourself kind of becoming constricted, maybe wanting to withdraw or pull back. Maybe you don't want to be around the person, yep. but but you feel like, well, but this is my friend. Like, this is like, why would I feel this way with this person? So then like our our cognitive mind kind of wants us to stay because it feels rude, you know, uh-huh. to just <laughs> bow out. And so it's, you know, it's, it's fascinating how these things, to, how there's this interplay, right. Of energy, emotion, thought, but so many of us are generally not aware of what's happening and we don't even, we don't know how to trust the biofeedback that's coming back from our body. You know, Uh we don't recognize that things that this is all kind of, we don't recognize the energy aspects at play to even begin to trust it, to even know to trust it. Yeah, And so I think that's where, um, like the aura readings that I do. So I, I actually combine it with, um, some of the Akashic Records work that I do, but I'm able to kind of go in and, and look at what are patterns in your aura? You know, like what are what are your common patterns? Meaning, like how do you process? You know, like you might be somebody that, um, I'm trying to think of one because I just had a couple of readings the other day. Um, one was like a pattern was like solar plexus sacral root. It was like yellow, orange, red, and it just went, from the top to the bottom down. Um, and so it was like this, it was like this confidence issue that got uh-huh. caught up in self-doubt, that really came down to like fear. You know uh-huh. it was like this pattern that always kind of presented itself in this way, and there was so much work wanting to come through the person's voice, but they really can't master this pattern until they become more aware of it. so we talked about strategies for how do you start down and go up, how do you establish a sense of groundedness and connection and security and safety and really trust you know and from that build build self confidence to start to be able to show up with you know feeling supported and safe and so in the aura readings, we work through kind of what are those patterns? What are your, you know, strong chakra areas or even dominant? Sometimes, sometimes they can be strengths for the good and sometimes they can be excessive or dominant and be kind of expressed in in a more negative way that might need to be reined in. And then what are your weaker areas, you know, chakras that might be a little bit underutilized or underdeveloped or a little deficient, you know, and how can we energize those and bring those back into balance? And then I also usually read the current state, like pull in kind of just what's, what's the current state. And so in those sessions, it's really helpful to create sort of a new sense of awareness, you know, around Mm -hmm. the person's energy field and, and then help equip them with some tools and modalities for starting to you know, work to like strengthen those areas and bring them into balance.
0: Yes, I love that. (laughs)
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So uh, I guess we can shift a little bit and talk about this because you mentioned the Akashic records. And for Mm -hmm. those listeners who maybe that's a very foreign word to, can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so the Akashic records are really an energy field as well, and it's the the energy field of your soul's incarnations from its inception. So it's it's a vibrational record um, or source of energy that we are tapping into to be able to draw about any kind of insights. The records are really great for questions that are like what, why, or how type mm-hmm. questions to gain deeper insights um just you know for your journey for offering kind of support for the here and now. We don't really take yes or no questions or when questions because we're <laughs> accessing the master's teachers and loved ones from this vibrational field. So like they're they're not on a, the 3D timeline or the you know timeline that we're on here in the physical reality. So when questions don't really pertain but so but yeah,
0: I oh sorry. Mm-hmm. No, go ahead. Questions like oh my gosh, when am I going to meet my next boyfriend are less useful than questions like how did my last interactions with a romantic partner, like what lessons do I have to learn from those? Or how did I contribute to them not going quite how
1: I would have liked them to? Exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. I love the Akashic records.
1: (laughs) uh, I do too. It's fascinating. And you can read, I mean, so we, there are definitely some rules around it, right? So everybody has access to their own records. Like this is just our birthright. So anybody can do it. And, um, and then we only read records for people that we have permission for, obviously, but then you can also read records of like public land, um, like crystals, you can read the record of a crystal, which I think is just so fascinating. Anything that, I mean, everything's vibration, you know, so yes. it all has records. Even like if you're going to buy a home, it's a wonderful idea to, I mean, assuming the home is up for sale, it uh-huh. has to be, you know, either you have to own the property or it be kind of up for public purchase. Uh-huh. Um, wonderful. That's a wonderful time to access the records of a home just to understand a little bit more about it, and make sure it's, you know, the right decision.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so cool! So people can, if they feel like maybe they're like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I would love to have somebody do that for me. You do that for folks, mm-hmm. yeah. And then you also told me earlier that you read for the Earth, and that people can find that on your website.
1: Yeah, I did a couple of weeks ago because just all the stuff with COVID and the pandemic, and I, I just really. F- rebalancing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, we're being called to do healing on a deeper level. And I also feel like the planet is healing. I mean, I feel like we've done so much to our planet, you yeah. know, the last <laughs> couple of years. It's kind of been a wild ride of, I don't want to say just total destruction, but I mean, we are, <laughs> you know, degrading the environment and doing some pretty crazy things as humans. And I just was kind of curious like what what does the planet have to say right now you know with all of this that's going on so i dropped in and did a reading of from the akashic records of the planet and i i did share it as a blog post um because someone then asked me well can you share that and so awesome. it's that it's on my website and it's um i felt like it was really you know comforting and and moving in a way and one of the interesting things that came from it was that the animals, the birds and the animals are going through their process too. So that's yeah. Um, interesting. Yeah,
0: it is. It's, I personally love that. I also really like, I don't communicate necessarily. Um, I How do I say it? I haven't really tapped into using the um, stones and crystals that I have as like a, a not a two-way communication zone because I definitely, um, use them in meditation and I think about them in terms, in terms of resonance, like how they can help me achieve a certain thing. Like right now I'm holding a septarian. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) but like, I am curious when you go into the records for crystals, what is that like? Do they have like a voice to you? What do you, how do you experience them?
1: Yeah. So it just, um, it just varies, but usually information just flows. And so a lot of times when I'm in a record like that, that's just kind of me dropping in, I will write, you know, and just write everything that flows in. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm trying to think of how to answer that question. It's just information that just flows in. Cool. So tell me you're publishing this. (laughs) Well, I have, um, I have the blog posts and I do have, um, I have, I do have an ebook that I have, and I have another one that's in the works. It's just about to, um, to come out, but yeah, I, I definitely, I actually want to share a lot more, um, of, about crystals from the records and sharing, you know, their messages, because I think that, I think that the crystal wisdom keepers have so much for us, you know, they are here in service and I think they have so much to share. I would be super interested in hearing those messages. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So,
0: um, can you give the listeners some practical advice on starting to work with stones?
1: Sure. Yeah. So I think, um, First, it's important to just make sure that you know how to clear your stones. So if you acquire new stones or if they've been used for healing or if they've collected chaotic energy, it's always a good idea to clear them. So you know when crystals are in the earth, they're just pure vibration. And then when they come out, because they do absorb energy, transmit energy, they can accumulate clear that to make sure that we're working with them at their highest frequency. And so that can easily be done by leaving them in the sunlight or the moonlight for a few hours, like four to eight hours is good. Some crystals will fade in the sun, so it's not good to just leave them there permanently. But that's a good, you know, first pass at just kind of getting them cleared. And then as far as working with them, you know, if, if you have a meditation practice, I think that's a wonderful place to introduce them because they really do, I think, deepen our, our ability to relax and even deepen our, our meditative states. So they mm-hmm. allow us to, and I think especially if you use them over and over, they really allow you to drop in more quickly into mm-hmm. those deeper states. So I think that's a great way to work with them. And there's, there's really no right or wrong in terms of kind of what you're choosing and why I think just, you know, being drawn to it is a good place to start. And then other ways um, you can place it on your nightstand. You can um, carry it with you in your pocket to kind of keep its vibration close. You could certainly program crystals with information, um, and I cover all of this in my ebook too. And of course, my favorite way to um, work with them is jewelry. Right? Yes. And them. <laughs> yeah. And so I have a lot of um, bracelets that have been designed, you know, with specific, you know, blends of energies that really kind of support a particular area. And then the bracelets come with a little card that explains all of that. And each one has a mantra that goes with it too. Um, so you can even use it as, you know, kind of a a centering tool. So if you're wearing your bracelet, you know, and you just kind of see it throughout the day, you can come back to your affirmation or use it as a way to kind of ground you back into the present.
0: I love that. Because I Mm -hmm. think even people who maybe don't believe in vibrations or resonance can at least see the value in looking at something and having that be like a reminder of, like you said, the, the affirmation or the need to ground or the need to center. And I, yeah, I love that. So you have also, you make custom bracelets, which is what I talked about early on. And then you also have like a um, subscription service, right? So.
1: I do. So I, this is really, it's so close to my heart because it feels like such a mission, um, and I really feel like I was guided by my team. Like when I was creating it, I cried multiple times. Like it I just, felt, yeah. I just felt so moved by it. Yeah, you know, just, just all of it. So it really, I love sharing it out with the world. It's um, so I ha- it's a monthly subscription box called Anchor the Light, and the mission is really to kind of get more people committing to a monthly practice that's really expanding and raising their vibration. So anchoring more light around the planet and just creating, you know, creating this new earth together Mm -hmm. through healing practices. So the box includes a affirmation card and there are journal prompts around that and some, you know, background around each affirmation. And so the idea is that you're really kind of working through limiting beliefs and just kind of anchoring in a positive mindset And then there's a uh, kindness card that's meant to be given away. And so I know, you know, a lot of people practice random acts of kindness, some more than others. Yeah. It's great to just have a monthly prompt, you know, built right in. And part of that is to really cultivate gratitude too. Because whenever we give, you know, unexpectedly, people are always so overjoyed. And it, it really just kind of fuels this feeling of gratitude, which I think is, It's just the highest vibration and it's just a really, you know, positive thing if we can be behind cultivating that in the world. And then there's a bracelet and a crystal in the box too. And then there's um, information in there about what, you know, the energy blends are in the bracelet, how it supports the affirmation. So it all kind of ties together like a little theme in terms of working with the energies of the crystals in the affirmation.
0: I love that so much. I really appreciate that you do so much education with your products. It really, um, I think it would be a good way to start getting into it because then you can get, you get the thing and then you find out the properties that it has, and then you have a practice that goes with it. So it's not just mm-hmm. like, I feel like, sometimes people will be like, okay, I'm just going to go buy uh, rose quartz and they don't, <laughs> you know, they don't know how to work with it. So it sits in their house and they're like, this isn't doing anything. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you give, you give them that like pathway to engage. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is really awesome.
1: Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Well, it's just, yeah, it, it really comes from a true place within me of, of wanting to be of service and wanting to really empower others. And um, and just increase their understanding. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. So you have a Facebook group, which is anchor the light, right? Where you come (laughs) online and, and give little, uh, talks.
1: Yeah. So lately we've actually been doing a crystal energy challenge. It's a a three-part challenge. And so, um, I'm doing a, a session for each of the three days on crystals in there. Um, and then the last few weeks, I was doing um, live sessions called Together, which we brought our tea and got together, and I just shared different tips around energy healing for really managing through this time of quarantine and pandemic. I think we're all being stretched <laughs> in new ways. So it's just—I uh, don't want to say it's a little random, but you know, it's it just is ever evolving. It's just you know, kind of building a community of like-minded souls, where we can kind of connect and talk about these things.
0: I love it. It's not random. It's what it needs to be when it needs to be. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's so cool. So you have that and then you have your website, which also has a blog where you put the information out too.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's uh, sarabellstyle.com. Awesome.
0: So um, I know you just mentioned it, but I know a lot of people are having some intense experiences right now. And may enjoy working with crystals and stones more. Uh, we've talked a little bit about how they can engage with you, but I'm wondering if you have other recommendations for people or any offerings that you would like to share.
1: Yeah, so I actually am just getting ready to release um, my latest ebook, and it will probably be live um, by the time this, this Airs. is live. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's. Um, understanding crystal energy and is the, um, ebook and it's an experiential guide to working with crystals. And so it includes not just the information, but a lot of like exercises and ways that you can actually drop into your own experience and then, you know, journal what you found, because I really think that learning that way, you know, you take it through the nervous system and you really process it on a more, um, on a, just a deeper level. And so it's really meant to be, you know, information and and just a resource, but also really a guide to kind of guide people through their own experiences. And so that um, can be be found on the website. And then I also am offering uh, a coupon code for your listeners too. And I'm actually making it 20% off anything in the store. Wow. So generous. (laughs) The code is sacred. um, S-A-C-R-E-D. And yeah, it applies to everything. So um the the monthly box it will apply to just the first month of the monthly box sure so, yeah That's... But the the monthly I should add to with the box you can cancel or skip a month at any time so it's not like you're really locked into any term on it
0: yeah <laughs>
1: yeah yeah
0: cool Well, this has been so, so, so illuminating and interesting. And it has been a pleasure to chat with you about what you do and how you work with stones and crystals. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
1: You're so welcome. I'm grateful for the opportunity to share. So thank you.
0: Awesome. Thank you, thank you so much, Sacred Adventure Begin listeners, for hanging in there with us through the technical challenges of this interview. My husband and I have been having internet issues uh, for the past week, we think, because so many people are on um, in our area at this time, it's just the bandwidth is just not there for all of us to do all the great things that we want to do with Zoom and interviews and podcasts. But we, um, by we, I mean I, (laughs) really appreciate you being here and hanging in there for that. And of course, uh, I would love to hear back from you uh, what you thought of the episode Um, Please rate and review the podcast. That is helpful. And of course, if you have any growth related feedback, please shoot that in a private message to me. But yeah, I'd love to know um, what you think of working with stones and crystals and how maybe you do it in your own practice. Have a
1: beautiful, wonderful, amazing day.